Welcome to Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. I'm Michael T.Y.P. Cole, and with me is Brad Mossbacher, my usual uh, sidekick. I, I guess that's the proper classification. I guess so. I'm better than you. Anyways, this is episode 14. It is, and we got an interesting lineup here. Um, maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't, I don't know. But... If you haven't played before, we have five games. We play three songs from each game, and it's your job to figure out what that game is. We'll ask you a question after the second song. It doubles as both a fun trivia question and a hint if you haven't figured it out yet. And after the third song, we tell you what the game is and give you the answer to the hint question. So in in that way, it's both a fun trivia game and a history lesson. Yeah. By Skies of Arcadia. Oh, sorry, that was last episode. My bad. (laughs) That was just last episode, right? Yeah. All right, just making sure. Yay for looping. Especially with bad music. to accompany this set of bad music. Oh, my ears. What have you done, Brad? Yes, I did pick this game and the music. So if you hate it, you can complain to me. The question is, the main character travels through time by the way of what minigame? 
Uh, it's like the retarded stepson of... Well, I guess you can give away what it sounds like now. It's a retarded stepson of Super Mario World. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's Mario's time machine. Right. Um, For the Super I NES. never played this game, but... When I, it was bad. Yeah, well, I actually owned and completed Mario is Missing, which which is almost as bad. <laughs> it's not worse. I'm not, I'm not sure right. which game is worse because I haven't played Mario's Time Machine, but the music didn't sound quite as bad in, in Mario is Missing, in my opinion. This game was actually released on three platforms, the NES, the PC, and the Super NES. Well, the PC game was probably very different from the NES and SNES ones. No, the P- the PC game was actually very similar to the SNES. It was the NES game that was very different. Hmm. I think that's different from Mario's Missing, because that was also released on those three platforms. Um, and according to Wikipedia, this is considered the sequel to um, Mario is Missing. <laughs> oh, so no wonder the music got worse. So, they, they completely ran out of any of their good stuff from Mario is Missing, huh? <laughs> though that is up to, deba- to debate. <laughs> So. And the the mini game that was played to travel through time in the SNES and PC version, not the NES version, was a surfing mini game. I bet it wasn't any good. Which is the answer to our trivia question. I bet it wasn't any good. I bet it wasn't either, because this was not developed by um Japanese team. It was American-developed and American-published. What is it, like Imagineer or something? Not Imagineer. What was it? It was like... Uh... I should know that. We should have made that the, the trivia question. It, That's what I was trying to tell you. Yeah, it's such a bizarre come but they also like you said, they also did Mario's let missing. Me look, let, let me look it up here. Yeah. It was an American? I thought it might have been like a British developer or something. Probably wasn't. It would be a better quality if it were British, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, the developers are the software tool works and radical entertainment. Publisher was Mindscape. Release dates were 1993, which was the PC version, 1994, which was the SNES version, and June 1994 for the NES version. Genre was genre was educational game. So why did Nintendo do this? Was this like the the save face or something? Is it like, oh look, we have games that are you know educational to parents? I mean, what what was this was during the time when they were just licensing out all their properties. This was also during the time frame when um, those horrible Zelda games on um, Philips CDI were made. Yeah, but that's a special exception, though. That was like a licensing requirement, because they they walked out on their contract. And this this was also um, negotiated and contracted with by um, Nintendo of America. Right, but it was on Nintendo systems. So, I, I mean, they all said, like, you know, Mario teaches typing. And that was good stuff, and I don't know if they were made by the same developer or not, but, you know, that that was good. I mean, I teach w- typing. I think that was at, I think that was actually developed by Broderbun. Yeah, okay. That would make sense. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't know the history behind these. I, I suspect it was, a, it was a quick save face due to some sort of negative publicity or something. That's that's my guess. Yeah. It, I, I, I'm also assuming it was pro- probably a knee-jerk reaction to... Um, a bunch of parents saying, oh, video games are bad for kids. They're going to make them stupid. Or some stupid thing Durr. like that. Okay, well, made me stupid, so 
Let's go on to the second game. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. to let that one repeat because it actually sounds good. <laughs> you really didn't like that last one, did you? you know, it didn't sound terrible. The, the thing is, it's like, how do you make a, a, something that was good sound worse when you're remixing it? or, or I mean, I, I know a lot of people do, but it seems like they could have done a better job. I don't know. Just, uh, that's what happen, happens when you let a bad composer get a good song in his hands. It wasn't a composer. They were just, whatever, using some sort of terrible mapper that converted a MIDI on a computer to to SNES or something. I I don't know, but something went terribly, horribly wrong. But we're, we're on a different game now. Why are we still talking about Mario's time machine? I uh, don't know. It'll haunt our memories forever. <laughs> it's not as bad as some of the other games we've played. This is true.
Believe it or not, I've never heard this music before. <gasps> well, I'll ask you a question then. Alright. What annoying yet hilarious mascot becomes entwined in this game's story near the end of the game? That's pretty general. Mildly interesting music. Oh, come on. Well, that's probably better if you play the game and have the association, because it is none other than Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. Oh, I, I opted not to buy Objection! that Objection! You must buy that game. You must hunt it down. I know it's hard to find. The first one is definitely <laughs> hard to find. It's not hard to find. I, can, I see it at GameStop all the time. That's good. Pick one up, then. Because the first one is by far... Well, I don't know. I haven't played the third one. But uh, the, the English script in the first one is a lot better than the second one. The second game is still good. But the first one is is fun and also very, very well written. Very cleverly written. I, I don't know. I just... Trust me. It just doesn't appeal to me. Okay. I respect that. But I still recommend the game. So I asked which hilarious mascot becomes entwined in this game's story near the end, which is in the final chapter, which is unique to the DS version. And the answer is the Blue Badger, a smiling, grinning, like, cardboard uh, cutout, or, like, the head looks kind of like a police badge, but not really. And it's supposed to look crappy, and it is. <laughs> I don't know, it's very funny in the game. <laughs> Because it becomes a critical part of of the uh, of the trial, yeah, of the trial. So and it has like really stinky music associated with it too. So <laughs> um, Phoenix Wright, uh, the third one comes out this month, I think. Some, probably something like the twelfth or I don't know, somewhere in the middle of the month. I also think the fourth Gyakuten Saiban is um, out in Japan already. It's probably true. We're, we're kind of behind, but they wanted to release them in order, so. It's going to be called Apollo Justice in the U.S. I'm, I'm going to be curious how well that works because they have a new set of. A, a new. Um, I can't talk anymore. Uh, pretty much a brand new cast. Some some of the characters are going to show up, I think, but, but from what I've scene of screenshots. I haven't really read too much because I don't want to spoil it, but it certainly features a new lawyer. Um, uh, and I, I think it actually might feature the, the sidekick that was introduced in the new chapter in Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney on the DS, based on screens. Emma, so... I guess maybe I'll check this out in the future, but... How, mu how much is it at, at GameStop used? Ten bucks? I, I didn't... 
I didn't really look. It's worth ten bucks. It's fun. The first one I would definitely recommend over the second one. If you're curious about this series, don't even wait for the third one because I guarantee you that the first one's going to be better than the third one. I, I've heard that the third one's the best of the series, but the English translation may may make that different. Garble yeah, it may up. garble that up for North America and international release. Um, Such is the way at Capcom. It's okay. Even even with the typos and some of the awkward sentences, it was still a lot of fun to to go along with the the trial and and point fingers and the like. So hooray for English! Yeah. Anyway, we have a third game here, and this one was selected by Retro Man. Retro Man. Yeah.
interesting music there. It actually reminds me a lot of a game of no relation, which I'll probably forget to mention again uh, after we've revealed the game, but oh well. I actually kind of felt the music was missing something. Like a certain beat. Oh. Oh, it could be my imagination. Usually is. gonna say it sounded a lot like the first one no it sounded similar but it was actually quite different yeah it had the strings and everything so we got a question also provided by retro man and it's actually kind of a spoof on uh, my question from earlier which traditional nintendo characters make a cameo appearance in this game can't imagine which Nintendo characters would make an appearance in a game with that kind of music.
enough of the suspense and the suspenseful music. Yes, what is this game? It's Metal Gear Solid and the Twin Snakes. Ah, another game I never played. Yeah, you know, I played it, I got it, because I had never played a Metal Gear game before, and I was curious. It was okay, I'm not going to say I, I got my money's worth out of the full price purchase, but... I didn't, I don't like stealth games, I've played Splinter Cell before, and it just doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, that, that's kind of my feeling, too. I, I enjoyed it, but I wouldn't really want to play another stealth game. I want, one stealth game is enough. Um, I mean, I, I rented Chaos Theory from... Gamefly back when I had an original Xbox, and that was enough for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, half the game is cutscene anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you, that's true. Twin Snakes, I mean, uh, Silicon Knights did, these, did a good job. Um, it's really an oddball, uh, because Nintendo was obviously involved as well, since they they uh, had money in Silicon Knights at the time. That was actually a three-way project. Yeah. I don't know how successful it was, but it was an interesting venture. Um, but anyway, because of that, uh, and there's a cameo appearance by Mario and Yoshi. They're little Mario and Yoshi dolls, or toys, or whatever uh, they are, that are next to Otacon's desk. So I remember that. Uh, there were screens all over the internet. There was also the uh, Eternal Darkness cameo. Right. I mean, they did a little bit of uh, psychotic... Oh my god, I'm... Uh, Forgetting what the term was. Insanity effects. Insanity effect, thank you. Wow. Please forgive me, Dennis. Insanity effects. Right, they... Well, there was this one part where, um, I guess that's... What is it, Psycho Mantis or whatever yeah, the character's Psycho name Mantis. is? He, uh, he tells you to put your controller down on a flat surface, and then he makes it magically move on its own via the vibration mechanism. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know. There are some interesting things in that game. I I don't regret playing it. I just regret purchasing it at full price. That is something that shouldn't have been done. You know, it's a short game, and it was two discs long because of all the darn cutscenes. And, and it cut... wasn't even CG cutscenes. It's just, you know, they're highly, highly, highly scripted, so that takes up a lot of space. Was it Final Fantasy-level cutscenes like 220... Two to three minutes long. Some of them are short. Line. Some of them are really long, but they're not CG. They're they're in-game uh, engine, but you know it, it's really stylized and sometimes it's over the top. I'd say the average cutscene is probably two and a half minutes long. I, I don't know, pulling that out of my butt. I'm sure there's some ten-minute ones in there too. I mean, the last thing I want to get is a game that's ninety percent cutscenes and ten percent gameplay. <laughs> You unlock the cutscenes as you go along, and you you can spend three or four hours like watching a long movie just looking at the cutscenes afterwards. Yeah, I think Bloodworth was like showing me like, yeah, I've been like sitting around watching cutscenes from Metal Gear Solid. I didn't realize how many there were. I've already been watching for like two and a half hours. <laughs> so, yeah, the game is probably fifteen hours long. I don't even remember, but I'd say it's fifteen hours long just from my vague recollection. And probably eight of those are cutscenes. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe those numbers are off, and someone will correct me. But you, that's the gist of it. Someone will likely correct you. They yeah. always do. Well, did anyone ever resolve our debate last time on Bomberman? I don't think they did. No, they va- vacillated on that one. Oh, did I haven't checked lately? Did I win? No, they. Nobody, nobody even replied to it. 
All right, all right, calm down. We're just going to move on, move on to the next game. Yes, we will. bosses can be fought by entering a special password.
such gorgeous music. Well, don't you say? I, I like the music, but I think it's kind of ironic that this is one of the last 8-bit Game Boy games for both Capcom and Nintendo, and both of them have done some pretty amazing music for 8-bit systems. And this isn't that technologically amazing. I mean, 30-second loops, you know, I guess it's because it's based on the Cough Cough uh, Link's Awakening engine, but even so, I think it's kind of funny because Capcom is, you know, well-known for doing, like, pretty incredible things with limited hardware for music. This game is The Legend of Zelda Oracle of Seasons. We did ages, um, I think, on our first official podcast edition. I don't think it was the pilot. I think it was the first actual edition of podcast edition. Wow, that sucks. Anyway, first edition of podcast edition. Uh, okay. Yeah. First episode. Well, we also have an answer to the trivia question. The um, two infamous bosses that you face through the use of a special password that you could enter after you beat the main quest were Ganondorf and Twin Rova. Wait, so could you? I don't think you could enter the, the quest after enter the password after you beat the game. Oh. Yeah, you, you had to. No, the way it, the way it works, as I remember it, you finish one game completely. They give you a password, and then you enter the password in the second game. They have to be, you have to beat the main quest on both games first. Right. So you don't enter the password after you beat the second game. You enter it before you start your second game. No. Yeah, you, you play all of Oracle of Ages or all of Oracle Seasons. They give you a password. You enter that password when you start up the Oracle of Ages or Oracle Seasons, one you hadn't played yet. And you play that all the way through, right. and you get to fight those extra bosses. Yeah. Uh, my memory is fuzzy. It was a long time ago. It was back when I first got my GBA. Yeah, I mean, it was a weird setup, and... and you could swap between the two games and, and get upgrades and freedom between your different cards. It was an interesting system. I'm not sure in the yeah, end how practical it was because how many people really want to, you know, turn off their system, like put in their other one. Trade. But it was a neat idea. Twelve-digit passwords come off. Wait a minute, where have I heard that before? Friend codes. Yeah, you're stretching it, man. Eerily similar to friend codes. You're stretching. Friend codes are to talk to other friends, not yourself in another game. I only own one of them. What, so you actually try to trade with people online? Just get them to answer your... You ask them for their password I, and you enter it? I traded with my friends. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Which is what Nintendo actually intended. Trading with friends is overrated, man. I'm friends. I, I'm I'm by myself. I don't play Pokemon. That's for shit. I mean, you actually trade Pokemon. I mean, that's boring shit. I don't. I just don't do that. What? You know? I'm alone. Get out of here. I never. I think maybe I traded one Pokemon in my entire life, and they probably regretted it too. Get out of here. I played Pokemon as a standard RPG. You. I beat. I scratched and scratched, made my way to the end. Even beat the second quest on at least one of the games, but I never traded games or tried to get them all or anything. I just had my arsenal of Pokemon and fought with them, and that was the end. <laughs> I missed the entire point of Pokemon. I just played Pokemon as an RPG. 
Yes, you. I guess it, that system had a lot of last hurrahs, actually, now that I think about it. Um, I mean, besides the Oracle games, there was uh, Shantai, which we did in an earlier episode as well, and uh, games like Wireland 3. The Game Boy Color got a really loud sending off. Yeah, it only had like a year and a half to live, but there were some good games in there. It was arguably one of the most popular versions of the Game Boy. Yeah, I mean, don't forget, you can also play your old Game Boy games on it, too. And you certainly can't do that with uh, the more modern hardware. You can do that with the Game Boy Advance, but not with... Uh, I don't e- I don't even think some of the later versions of Game Boy Advance allowed Game Boy games. Um, so if you have a Game Boy Player, that's probably the, the last hardware ever released that supports Game Boy Color and earlier Game Boy games. I even I even think the um, SP didn't allow original Game Boy no. games. No. Um, Unless they changed the SP model when they put in the uh, better front light, or back, they'll put in a backlight. Um, no, I own an SP, and I use that for Game Boy Color games. And it doesn't allow original Game Boy games. No, like, of course it does. I, if, it, if it supports Game it? Boy Color, it supports Game Boy. They're like the same hardware. It's the exact same thing. One has color in it. Yeah. Or whatever, twice the clock um, speed or something. I the Game Boy Advance has an ARM 7 and an ARM 9. And it, no, the, no, the, the DS has an ARM 7 and an ARM 9. The Game Boy just had the ARM 7. The Game Boy Advance just had the ARM 7. Well, it also had the Game Boy hardware in it. Yeah, it had like a chip. It also was used kind of as like a sound chip sometimes. So, the GBA, I guess they did some sort of emulation of that chip for the for any sort of games that support for the micro. I don't know. But um, the micro does not support... Game Boy Color or regular, original Game Boy games. Look at how small it is. Yeah, it, it's basically the reason why it's the size it is because because that's the size of a Game Boy Advance cart. Yeah. And any smaller screen totally would not be usable. Although the, the screen's still pretty darn small. It's too small for the Game Boy Advance games, even. Yeah, uh, I remember the at an E3 they were showing them off. I mean, yeah, it looks real sharp, but man, I'm. I'm looking they at have really small stuff. Screen. They didn't skip on it. It looks really good. No, I mean the size of the screen. Well, the size of the screen is small because the system is small. I mean, they they would have to make the system bigger to make the screen bigger. And that was the point. It's as small as you're going to be able to get a Game Boy. And, and yeah. Nintendo's argument at the time was, you know, someone asked, well, why are you, why are you doing this? Why do you need to do this? You're coming out with a new system soon? And it says, because we can that was their response because we can, and it and sold. <laughs> of course, was it of course was really because they didn't have any faith in the DS. I doubt that. Um, this they, was they, back in two. This was back in two thousand four. They weren't really sure what the DS you, was going to do. You didn't do. need to re-release the Game Boy Advance because of that. They already had the SP, which they continued to, to sell. So it, it was an image thing. It really was. It was. A fashion statement. It was a fashion I guess. statement. Yeah. Didn't really work. I don't know how well it worked. It, it certainly sold well. So, I mean, I didn't care about it, but you know, the casual, on-the-go market maybe did. You know. But as it stands today, the GBA is dead. The DS is king. Yeah. Third pillar. <laughs> Next. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
If I didn't know any better, I'd say we were just mourning the death of the GBA. Yeah, I'd say so. Are you scared? Not really. Bet you wish I was, though. Yeah. I'll just have to... Are you reading something? No. 
What was that? That was just me throw, put, throwing something in the trash. Oh. Are you scared now? No. Well, okay. So here's the question. This game's final boss spoofs what other boss battle?
You know, I kind of regret choosing that as the third song, because there are other songs that are better. And I forgot we have that Metal Gear Solid song, songs too, so... Oh well. Yeah. The game is Conker's Bad Fur Day. Yeah, uh, one of the few games I rented and completed during the single rental period. But I and... I still like the game. I still like the game. Uh, and it's... it's... This... Like, this is actually one of the games I hate really? outright. Really? The humor is the humor is just disgusting to me and it's tasteless. I think I think it's funny. I mean, I, I maybe if I went back and revisited it, it wouldn't be so funny anymore. Because part of the part of the uh, charm was this was Nintendo, or at least a Nintendo affiliated game, with with all this, and and, and so the game is kind of a. I don't know. It, it kind of makes fun of itself in a lot of different ways. Um, I, I think way back when on the Informant, it was either Evan or Johnny wrote kind of an editorial about about Conker's Bad Fur Day and how, see, it started off as you know a cutesy platformer like Banjo Kazooie or whatever. It was a, it was called the Seven Tales of Conker. Right, right, and it just was sort of in, in limbo forever. And I guess at some point people snapped on the development team and said, we're sick of this cutesy, you know, nonsense. We want to, we're going to, like, revolt and do something completely opposite. And so, Conker's Bad Fur Day is kind of the complete opposite of, of you know, Super Mario and and Banjo-Kazooie and, you know, all this other stuff that Rare and Nintendo were known for. And uh, it sort of goes over the top and it, it sort of makes fun of itself. And at the very end, it's kind of a... Conker has a like a soliloquy where he's saying, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side, and it's kind of like they're talking about uh, the game itself. They were they're all sick of this cutesiness, so they went to the dark side. And was it really a better game for it? You know, not really. So hey, but they released it. I don't uh, know if they would have ever released it if it hadn't changed. So I I do remember the ending of that game. You actually played the entire is thing. It- no, I've seen okay. it, and um, it's like at the end the the game freezes. Probably. And conquers conquers the only one who's moving. Uh huh. He's like, huh? The game froze. I don't remember that. In that in that respect, the entire game's a satire on video games. Well, there, there's definitely... I mean, the, the final boss is a satire on video games. And, and it's almost like a a false ending. It's like you were expecting something really amazing. It was just a kind of easy boss. And it was basically a ripoff of Bowser from Super Mario 64. You, you swing him by the tail and throw him out the window. Or throw him out the airlock, whatever. <laughs> and... And so it's it's like after all this action and after all, all the crazy things you go through, it's like oh it's it's Super Mario 64 ending okay. And um, so it, it has a lot of weird humor like that where where you expect something and it does something completely different. Um, I actually got blisters beating Super Mario 64 for the first time. I believe it. I mean I was just spin, I was just spinning that joystick like a madman and I way faster than you needed to. Yeah. Way faster. Well, the 64 controller 
hurt people's hands in general. Um, and I had, I I was basically playing with one arm because at the time my I had sprained my shoulder. <laughs> how do you play? How do you play Super Mario sixty four with with one arm? I don't know. I don't know how I did it. That's impressive. That, that's I, I that's like deserves hunched, a medal. I was kind of hunched over trying to move my shoulder as little as possible while I was in the sling. So, uh, so you're you're jumping with your elbow. God forbid you have to change the camera angle. Um, <laughs> wow. I was I was young and stupid. Yeah, clearly you just need to get your Mario fix. Wow. Um, I'm still stupid, but I'm not young anymore. Unlike me. I. No, I'm older. <laughs> my name is a lie. <laughs> oh, my yeah, mommy, you're, yeah. right. you're right. It is. It, your name is a lie. It shouldn't be the younger plumber. It should be the ugly plumber. You're not Luigi. You're Wario. Oh, boy. I'm not even a plumber. You ass. <laughs> Anyways, the, the answer to the, the trivia question. Well, we we already I already told it. That was Super Mario sixty four was was the boss battle they were spoofing at the end. Who is the boss? Um. So I guess there's this big bag like the Panther or something like that that that's supposedly the end boss, but he really doesn't play any role in the actual game. He's just sort of there at the end, intentionally, and then all of a sudden it turns into alien. Unless I'm mistaken, it turns what? into alien, and you throw the alien out the cargo bay door, and you win. Oh, so it's a spoof of the movie Alien. At the end, yeah. So it's a hybrid of an alien spoof and Super Mario 64. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think you might. I think you might still remember the ending of the game because uh, towards the end, um, Conker's girlfriend is. Revealed to be a traitor, and she dies in his arms. Right, right. That's like a spoof of the Matrix or something, right? Yeah. We're ruining the game for you guys. Well, you probably already played it if you're interested <laughs> in it by this point. That's an old game. Yeah, and it was released on Xbox as well. Although, although it wasn't uh, live and uncut anymore, now was it? They had no. more censoring. Ironically, Microsoft censored the game more than Nintendo. That is sad. Yeah, that, that game's just full of funny ironies. Although, the, I think the censoring, they intended for it to be, make the game actually funnier. That's what they say, but I don't think so. I, I think someone at Microsoft got worried and said, you know what, we're going to censor this. Nintendo, they didn't really care. You know, Nintendo's like, yeah, we plugged all this money in there, do what you want. Just publish it under your own name and... And we'll just stand over here. <laughs> no one really cares anymore. Our system's dead, right? So go ahead. Knock your heart out. The, ga the game is something of a legend, though. It is. I mean, it, it just came from such unexpected roots. And, uh, and I think it's a good game. Uh, it has some it has some weak points, but it, it's still a good game. Namely, the lowbrow humor. Oh, I, that's not what I was referring to. There, there are a couple of points in the gameplay where... Or just sort of tedious. Um, Mel Brooks movie. This is not. No, this is not a Mel Brooks movie. It's rare. <laughs> Mel Brooks could get away with that type of humor. 
Rare got away with that kind of humor. You just didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't like it. So I'm just saying that. And with that, I think we're going to wrap this up because you don't like Conker's Bad for a Day, I do, and we're... Once again, why do we always have to end on a, uh... argument? I don't know. <laughs> you don't like Bomberman. You disagree to disagree. You don't like Conker. <laughs> Conker. Oh, Pocket Tales. Yes, I owned that game. Oh, oh God. <laughs> yeah, I actually played through most of it, if not all of it, too. Lovely. That explains a lot. Well, it came out before Conker's Bad Fur Day. It was still cutesy, but it was a terrible game. And I mean, a bad game. The epitome of, like, generic adventure game. And on that note, we, I bid you good night. I'll do your bidding. Good night, folks. Mario's Time Machine is copyright 1994 Mindscape Nintendo. Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney is copyright 2005 Capcom Entertainment. Metal Gear Solid The Twin Snakes is copyright 1987-2004 Konami Computer Entertainment. The Legend of Zelda Oracle of Seasons is copyright 2001 Nintendo. Conker's Bad Fur Day is copyright 2001 Rare Limited.